Hey everyone, welcome to the show. You're listening to Can I, the Latchel podcast named for the acronym Continuous and Never-Ending Improvement. At Latchel, we have a deep belief that you can't get better by staying the same. And our podcast is here to give you the tools and resources you need to achieve healthy growth. As a Y Combinator-backed company, we know what it takes to have rapid, accelerated growth, and we want to pass our learnings along to you. At Latchel, we help property managers and landlords grow and scale by taking over 24-7 maintenance operations. We've developed an innovative mix of software and on-demand support to help do that. Each week on this show, we bring on industry experts and we dive into the topics that'll help you shape your business. Welcome to the show. Let's get going. Welcome to this session of the Latchel Property Management Podcast. I'm Ethan Lieber, the CEO of Latchel, here with our guest today, Thad Tarkington, CEO of Second Nature. And I'm super excited to have you on, Thad. Second Nature is sort of like this big staple in the management space now. I, I see you at every single family management conference. Um, uh, you guys are prolific in this space. So I'm excited to talk to you and, and learn about what you're doing. Uh, we're going to focus today on uh, Second Nature's bread and butter, which is fresh air. I'm on the West Coast. We've been really needing fresh air here. Um, and your filters may not solve that problem, but we're going to dig into that. Um, and we're going to talk about Second Nature's subscription-based air filter delivery service, which is a huge help for property managers does a few things and we'll dig into these more in a sec here. First, it steps up your preventative maintenance property operations, which is good for increasing NOI of properties, right? Yep. You also add new monthly revenues for property managers and we'll get into like resident benefit packages and how those work. And then of course, you can save money on the heating and cooling costs and, and you know the utilities of the property. So we'll get into all these things, but uh, first off, welcome to the show, Thad. Yep. Thank you very much. Glad to be here um, and appreciate all the kind words you said about us. So, uh, you know, good, good to hear we're, we're, we're making a, a positive impression on folks, but no, excited for the <laughs> conversation today. So. Well, I think you made a positive, you've made an, a positive impression for sure on uh, all the property managers that are probably listening. I'm sure many of them are already linked up with Second Nature. And for those that aren't, we're going to have a lot of learning opportunity here. Um, but even for those that already are, I'm sure there's a lot of, of learning potential, but for those that don't know what second nature is, maybe you can start by giving us kind of like your elevator pitch on your company. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, second nature, the service we offer, it's a subscription service for air filters. Uh, we deliver the exact filters that a property needs and the correct cadence for their market. Um, and, and by doing that, uh, plus the other things that we um, kind of the way we position it, we ensure that uh, residents are changing their filters on time. So, you know, if you look at, you know, the current state uh, before we kind of brought this product to market, it was an item that was required by the resident to do. It was out of sight, out of mind. They didn't think about it. And the negative effects of that were, you know, not only were they paying higher energy bills and had poor air quality, uh, but there is a lot of damage to systems, which, you know, a lot of downstream effects, everything from, you know, uh, you know, more maintenance calls means upset tenants, more expenses. And so ultimately we said, you know, uh, a phrase I love is big doors swing on small hinges. And so the idea was like something so simple as changing an air filter, you know, whether it be every month or every quarter, depending on your market, 
you know, pays for itself in energy savings, big savings on HVAC. And so ultimately, you know, we, we've come up with, um, you know, all things considered in terms of, you know, economics, you know, how do you actually implement, get it done? The best way to get, um, you know, residents to change their filters. And so, you know, by deploying our service, you know, we're, we're seeing most folks say, you know, um, you know, once implementing nearly every property is changing on time. And, you know, later, if you want to get into it, we have some cool stats and things. And so, you know, in addition to that, um, you know, we also uh, design and deploy resident benefit packages and really help people with that whole process of like, you know, how do you set it up? And then obviously, you know, where we make money is, is on the filters and that's, you know, a high attach rate. But uh, that's really kind of what we do in the property management market. Awesome. Maybe we can give us like um, maybe a specific example. So uh, property manager, let's say like 100 single family homes they're managing. You get into a meeting with them. We're like, okay, so like, what does this really do for me? Like, first off, maybe we can talk about how long does it actually take me to even like do this? Is this like, I have to plan things out for a year and how does that work? And then what do they get? Let's let's just use the basic hundred units, you know, benchmark. That's, that's my company. Yeah. I I think that's a helpful way to think about it. You know, give give something kind of concrete to work off of. So so let's say you have a hundred units. Um, you know, essentially the way, you know, our service works at a high level is first we're going to decide, you know, in your market, what's the appropriate frequency. And then, you know, how, how do we, we, um, want to bring this to market. And so, you know, at, so at that, part- that would be like it, based on the area you're going to say, oh, uh, we should be sending filters every two months or every three months or six yeah, months or whatever it would be. Yeah, so okay. essentially, you know, how often you want to change your filter, you know, it really just depends on how dirty it gets. But the biggest drivers of that are going to be, you know, the climate, what's in the air, what's in the home, and then how hard you have to run that system. So mm-hmm. look at a market like, you know, Florida, they're running HVAC year round. You know, you probably need to change that filter every month, every other month, um, you know. And then some markets get a little funny. In California, certain areas, you know, twice a year is good. Other areas you need every month. You know, it just depends, mm-hmm. you know, desert. Um, you know, what's climate, you know, dusty or not. Um, and so, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the first step is, you know, just understanding, you know, w- w- once, you know, obviously in a conversation, we'd walk through you know, the benefits and what you get from it, which are reduced HVAC and things like that. But in terms of just answering your question on implementation, mm-hmm. uh, essentially we identify, you know, what's the right frequency for you. Um, and then we have, you know, what, what's the fair market value in terms of, you know, our product plus some other things that we'd roll into a resident benefit package, you know, mm. how should you position on the market? And then, you know, the good news in terms of, you know, our product is we're actually able to deliver, you know, at the same price, you know, a resident would pay in the market. So, you know, they're, they're paying a fair price because of the volume There's a discount and they can actually, um, you know, uh, depending on volume and stuff, make a spread as well. And, and so not only can they bring a mm. service to residents that, you know, is actually cash neutral, uh, the EPA, a data shows by changing your filters regularly, you reduce your energy use five to 15%. And given, you know, especially for wow. folks, single family, you know, that, that actually breaks down to a little over, you know, a hundred dollars a year in energy savings. So obviously it depends on frequencies, some other factors, but, you know, roughly pays for itself. And then on the property manager's end, you know, it, it can bring some income. And then the beautiful part, you know, if we look at the third player in the equation, the investor or the landlord, is, you know, they're spending a couple hundred dollars in HVAC a year. And we actually, um, you know, did a study with three different partners, 6,000 units and found that, you know, using our service, and this wasn't, you know, year over year, you know, this was in real time, 
side-by-side -side properties on and off to account for weather and other things that may affect HVAC, we found there was a net 38% reduction in HVAC work order tickets by getting filters changes. And so that's where we say, you know, it's oh, one of the huge. where, you know, and, and you obviously, you know, you're in this business and I know we'll talk about this later, but you know, the data of HVAC, it's, you know, it's very seasonal. When you get to those summer months, you know, you can go through 40, 50% of your work orders in like two months in the summer. And, yeah. and you know, that's also your busiest leasing season. So we found, you know, not only does it reduce that, you know, it, it um, you know, something that, you know, um, that you're well aware of maintenance is one of the number one reasons, poor maintenance uh, handling is one of the number one reasons people don't renew. And so, you know, mm -hmm. moving that out, you know, it's less, it's, le uh, you know, HVAC when it's burning, you've got kids, that's not a fun call on either end. You know, the, the tenants happier, you know, your, your employees are happier and your investors are saving money. Um, and so ultimately, you know, that's kind of the, the why you would do it. And in terms of implementation, you know, that, that's where, you know, our team works closely with you just say, you know, all right, once we figure out the fair market value, how we're rolling this out, what's included, um, it's more of a rolling start. So pick a start that's date. Awesome. And rather than make this a big project, we realize, look, you know, we, we know property managers are busy. They're, they're, their life is fighting fire. So rather than say, you know, this isn't some big software implementation or something where it's like all hands on deck, moving data. It's, hey, let's start. It's a marathon versus sprint approach. Let's just, you know, as properties turn over, at least renewal, we just roll them on. Um, so the nice thing, it's something that, you know, I think you had asked, like, you know, how long does it take things like that? You know, ultimately, you know, it may take, you know, a few weeks, a month, realistically, just some conversations back and forth to nail down what you want to do. But once you nail down what you want to do in terms of implementing, you know, we're kind of there side by side the whole way and make it a smooth and easy process to roll out. So, um, you know, actually, you know, with that, it does mean it can take, you know, a year to more, depending on, you know, how sure. long you turn releases, uh, but it's smooth and easy and uh, then you're up and running from there. So. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a really lightweight implementation. We have a, uh, I talk about this all the time, like the leadership principles or culture principles we use. A lot of these pulled from Amazon. One of them is bias for auction though. And this, the implementation that lightweight gives you the opportunity for bias for auction. You can boom, spin this up. You don't have to like go through whatever a 60 day or 90 day period to like blast it out everywhere and deal with the hassle. You can roll it out quick without thinking yeah. about it too much. That's, that's really awesome. And then when I think about just some of the things I'm thinking through that, that you were talking through and let me know if I'm wrong here, yeah. it sounds like there's sort of like this punch list or, or we'll call it a bullet list of benefits on all sides. So for the tenant, what I'm hearing, um, and maybe you could even like advertise these in listings almost cause they're so valuable. Yeah. The cost savings on utilities that alone sounds like a huge value add. And I don't know if you, do you provide like snippets or something to, for marketing that to a tenant? Cause that'd be kind of yeah. hard to calculate, but. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I'd say one thing, obviously, you know, um, by market, depending if it's pure single family, light multifamily, multi, like, you know, it's going to vary, but you know, that's part of what we do is we help work with you and your leasing team and stuff like, Hey, what's the best way to present this value? And, you know, specifically talking about, you know, what, what, what is a tenant going to gain here? And so, you know, what's, what's the benefits to them? And, you know, if you look at really the, the two things that matter to them is the air quality, the energy savings, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the HVAC, you know, I would argue it matters. I think in real time though, they're thinking, oh, it's not going to break. That's not a me. But when that goes out for a week, it matters. Right. But if we right. kind of take that out and say, you know, what do you, what are the primary benefits? We're going to read better air quality. And so, one, you know, the EPA states, you know, um, indoor air, all the studies have shown it's two to five times worse than outdoor air. Um, and your HVAC really kind of operates as those lungs of your home. It's constantly circulating air. 
And so, you know, having an effective filter in there that's clean, not only is it going to capture particles and give you better air, uh, but something else that people often don't think about is it makes your system more efficient. So you wake mm -hmm. up and you're a little cold and you, let's say you bump it up three degrees, it's actually going to reach that desired temperature quicker with an efficient filter. And because yeah, it's more efficient, that's where your energy bill goes down. And, you know, it, energies will vary very widely. You know, if you have four kids and you're, you know, crank, you know, especially right now, everyone's working from home, energy use is higher, HVACs are running harder, but, you know, yeah. it'll vary. Uh, but, you know, on average, that's where, you know, it actually pays for itself. And, you know, the, the good thing is, you know, knowing that, you know, pe people, why don't they change a filter? Let's just add a side out of mind. They don't think about it. You know, people get the benefits. They just don't do it. And so by kind of putting this right on your door, it acts mm. as a physical reminder. You don't forget to do it. And the nice thing in a cost neutral way, you get the benefits of air quality, which, you know, I, I wouldn't put a specific dollar amount. Um, you know, if you look at the, the lifts and asthma and other things like that, uh, we're seeing, and, you know, the more and more we build our homes, you know, we're building them like plastic bags and that like weather stripping insulation, you know, building materials for, you know, whether it's windows or, you know, exterior, we're all trying to trap that air. And, and, and it's kind of, you know, why it's like, well, energy use is so high. So what do we do? Let's trap the air, keep it more efficient. Well, mm -hmm. the negative effect is what do we also trap? You know, all the, all the furniture we're buying that's off gassing, all these, you know, products we're bringing to our home, which, you know, make life great. You know, I, you know, if you look at living standards, you know, I don't think anyone will argue to live in 1500. Uh, but, you know, they, they also, you know, can bring those harmful particles. So like, that's where we look at like, you know, again, it's a simple thing, it takes 30 seconds, you do it, you know, maybe every one or three months, uh, but can have a big impact. So, uh, but yeah, that's definitely kind of, you know, and we help package that and, and kind of uh, organize that so you can show that to the renter. Um, that's yeah. also part of the reason you get, you know, the high compliance is because people get the why, you know, if people don't understand why they're much less likely you know, as you know, to, to, to do something. And so that's an important piece of the puzzle. And if anyone doubts, they can do a quick YouTube search and see hundreds of residents, you know, yeah. with their filters, uh, with a big smile on their faces. Yeah. I think the awesome part about this is like, there's sort of this hidden level of benefit to the property manager that you don't, you don't see as an explicit outcome right off the bat, but you see it later. And you kind of mentioned this, one of them is going to be resident retention, because if you can reduce the amount of these emergency maintenance issues that are com coming through, most of which you said are seasonal for the HVAC uh, system, you eliminate, it's sort of like a risk mitigation. You've eliminated that opportunity to really make a resident mad because, you know, I just moved in, my AC system is out. I'm all pissed off now. I'm not going to renew. You eliminate that kind of danger point. Um, you also save money on the operation because now your team, or if we're if Latchel is the one right handling the coordination, it's good good for Latchel too. We're not now dealing with hundreds of HVAC calls because you weren't keeping, you know, doing the preventative maintenance. So yeah. you have that retention benefit. You have the service benefit, and that feeds into more positive online reviews which then feed into your ability to actually grow your business. So there's like these positive flywheels you get yes. by implementing something, right? Yeah. And something, you know, um, you know, you mentioned on the retention, you know, not only is like, you know, how you handle the maintenance, like the actual quality of the work, but just, you know, the time. And I know, you know, this is where your, your business, you know, you know, adds a ton of value to this equation. Just like the, the speed of responding and, you know, uh, really being really communicative helps. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if you think about, you know, HVAC specifically, obviously it's, you know, um, you know, one of the largest uh, kind of maintenance items, but it's also one of the toughest to deal with. One of the most pain points when it's gone wrong, besides something you know catastrophic like uh, you know flooding or something like that. And so, right. um, but you know, if you look at you know renewals, something that you know a lot of people don't think about is 
well, you know, they, they know most of them are happening right in those, you know, in the summer months, right before school season starts, people move the summer, weather and other things play into that. And so, you know, you have a bad HVAC incident, you know, a month before you're moving and you're already on the fence about, you know, um, you know, where you want to stay, do you stay in this house? That plus, you know, uh, you know, not having either 24 seven maintenance or, you know, a, a good system to, to get in touch with people, you yeah. know, layer those things all together. That could be thing that pushes people over the edge. And look, you know, if we're saying, you know, renewal rates, you know, somewhere in the two thirds range, kind of mid sixties, you know, if you can bump that up, you know, even one, 2%, you know, does that get your occupancy rate from 95 to 96, 97, right? And so, you know, those may not sound like big numbers to some people. I know others are like, yeah, those are huge. But, you know, when you run that math, you know, it, uh, you know, um, very big impact for your owners, your business um, over time, um, just not having to do those turns and things like that. So, you know, it's funny how, like, when you really start to peel back the onion, you know, in life in general, but, you know, in some of these things, how, um, you know, they really start to compound. Like you said, there's this flywheel effect. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to get to your background, but before I do, I actually think this is a good segue for us to talk about resident benefit packages. Um, so I'm going to go on a little, little bit of a tangent here. And, and the reason I want to jump to the benefit package is, you know, we've talked about these are things the resident pays for. You help companies package uh, second nature. And you've mentioned a couple other things that you help them pack into a benefit which the resident pays for, which allows then the property manager to actually create higher revenue per door. So you're actually like a, a kind of an engine for improving their business alongside the actual yeah. specific service you're providing. We've talked about resident retention. And I think the big question, and I have my own thoughts on this too, but I think the big question our listeners are now thinking is, well, if I'm now charging my residents, and let's just say we're doing a $30 benefit package, yeah. if I'm now charging them $30, won't that outweigh all the benefit on the retention? Because if I know, well, now I'm paying this 30 bucks for this stuff, why would I rent this place? Or why would I stay here? Like, I'm, right. gonna, I'm just going to leave. Like, the, the act, what I'm actually getting doesn't matter. That $30 is way more impactful yeah. to me as the tenant. I'm curious, yeah. like... Uh, I'll, I'll share my thoughts on this too, but I'd like to pass it to you first. I'm curious, like, how do you, what, what do you say to property managers that are thinking like, really, like I'm going to charge my resident $30. They're, they're not going to renew. Yeah. So I'll start and I'll share a story. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people can, uh, you know, share this experience, which is, you know, going through college, I rented a variety of houses and at the end of the day, for, for my, that time in life, you know, it worked well for me. But, you know, I think back to some of the things that happened then, if I was renting today, that, that would be, that, that wouldn't really fly well. And, and part of it is like, you know, when you rent from someone off Craigslist, an accidental landlord, what do you get? You basically get a house and keys and hopefully a lease, you know? And so, you know, things like, you know, I had an HVAC out one time and, you know, absolutely love the landlord. Great guy. Would love to grab a drink with him, whatever it may be. But, you know, I, like sometimes like, you know, if he's on vacation, it might take a week to respond, right? There is no contact. You know, you don't have a maintenance line. Just things that like, when you're ready, you don't think about. You just optimistically everything's going to go well. Yeah. And even other stuff like, you know, when you moved in, it's like, hey, you know, one of these rooms, there was a bunch of stuff left. Well, what do you do with it? And so as I think through like just that whole experience of renting, you know, there's times where, um, you know, something goes wrong. You know, there's a leak and it's like for two days, you're like blowing them up. You're texting them, no response. It's like those are things you start to deal with, you know. We, we had to sleep with fans on us and wet towels for three weeks because we couldn't, you know, um, I, you know, I think in that case, they, they lived in, um, 
couple states away and they're like, oh yeah, I'll come down and do it. And it's just like, you know, it's so like just simple things like vetted vendors, right? Like, you know, people, a lot of times when you're doing something day in, day out, you forget the impact it has. And so, you know, one thing I tell a property manager is like, you know, look at what your product is versus, you know, the accidental landlord or, you know, a professional manager. It's like things like, hey, we, you know, and look, people love to give the exception, which is the one or 2% of, you know, squeaky bad actor wheels. But, you know, if you look at the norm, people want a good lease. You know, people want a mutual yeah. lease and an understanding. They want a good legal lease. They want someone, they want 24-7. They want someone who picks up the phone and, you know, call, email, whatever. You know, obviously, you know, we could talk all day about how everything's going digital and I believe that should be first. But whatever your method of communication, you know, people want that. And, you know, simple things like, you know, when, when I have an HVAC, do I want the best company in town to come fix it one time and get it right? Because especially if I'm scheduled to be home. Or do I want, you know, my buddy, my, you know, landlord's buddy's friend who's going to come in and spend three hours and start asking you questions about it. Right. Like, and, you know, we, we laugh because it's funny, but like that's that's the difference in the product. And so I'd say, you know, if you're asking that question, you know, we're not even on the right plan, right? It's, it's you know, if, if someone's worried about $30, you know, or, or $40, you know, that, that's not really a valid question because it's like, well, what experience are they going to have? Is someone much more likely to renew a property that's, you know, um, you know, really good living experience, everything's gone well, that's, you know, that's not really going to be a question they're asking. So that's where I'd start. And part of the, you know, the value that, you know, I, I would say, you know, we're trying to bring to the industry is that, you know, look at markets like, you know, Australia, right? And I know a lot of it's regulatory, but you know, there's really, um, you know, two macro trends we're seeing, which is one, over time, you know, you've got right now about a third are professionally managed. And so for a lot of people listening, you know, if, if we, and 70% are accidental, if you flip that number, that would mean almost you know, a little over 2x growth for everyone in the market, right? So, so that gets people excited. Well, you know, what's going to you know, help people get there? Well, two macro trends we're seeing is, you know, as we go naturally, you know, and, and this varies, you've seen over periods of history, this change, but naturally, like, there's a high probability we'll add more and more legislation, which, which more should be good. You know, some people will complain here, there, but, you know, if you look at it, it should be good because it means it's more complicated. I probably need a professional. And mm -hmm. number two, you know, we've seen this trend where, you know, three, 400 years ago, People built their own houses, killed their own food, you know, grow their own food. Like they did it all themselves. And now it's like, you know, no one can build a house because like, well, it's so complicated, right? We've gotten with all this innovation complication, you know, we're really in this, you know, phase where people are becoming more experts and then they outsource other things and they're looking for convenience. And sure. so after we get there, you know, just the general, you know, um, you know, desire of folks to actually manage their own home, you know, um, there's a belief that that will We'll start to transfer. And so those two things can combine, I think we'll see a big shift to a landlord. And so like what's something important that that folks can get right today and I think you know helps with all these legislative other issues. And it's like it's really what's the value bring doing a good job. And if and if I'm a property manager, I don't want accidental landlords. I don't want people giving a bad image because they're the ones that get written up, you know, in the Wall Street Journal. Or these are the ones yeah. that get on these, you know, news pages where like bad landlords, like, you know, that does happen, right? But that's not what we want. There's a good experience. And it takes time, it takes investment, it takes, you know, critical thinking and really delivering good products to market. And so that's the argument I make is what's good for the industry. It's doing all the right things, you know, and sometimes, you know, they're not free, you know, to bring good products and service to market. But the net effect is better experience, better retention, you know, in a growing industry. And so, you know, that, that's kind of what, what I would say, tell folks is, you know, looking 20, 30 years out, you know, what do we believe will be the case? And what are things that we need to do to differentiate? And so I think, you know, Going back to your simple question of the resident benefit packages, these are all things that they add significantly more value than the cost. Um, you know, specifically even, you know, just talking about, you know, our core product and you know, you know how, how we generate revenue, like it pays for itself, right? 
And, you know, Axel landlords, they're not bringing solutions like this to, to a, a resident. Yeah. Those aren't getting changed. It's, it's hurting the landlord and it's hurting the tenant. Um, and so that, you know, that, that's kind of what I would say is like, look at really the bigger picture and kind of step out of the weeds for a minute. And I think it becomes very clear uh, for a lot of folks. So. Yeah, I think the thing that you're 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 getting you you're kind of nailing with the, the explanation is the residents actually want to pay more for better service. Yes. They wish they could give you more money for a be that better experience. I was talking to um Joe Easton from, from Rent Manager yesterday and I, I gave this this example. Um I actually gave this for the first time at uh, uh, I think Cal Narpa like beginning of this year before COVID, before, yeah. the, you know, before the new normal, yeah. uh, this was the old normal. And um, I gave him the, the, the example of Starbucks versus McDonald's. And when, whenever I uh, do this to a group, I, I, I ask everyone, uh, raise your hand if you think Starbucks is better. Of course, like my hand yeah. shoots up. Do you, you, I'm, do you drink yeah. coffee? I actually surprised I don't drink any coffee, but I, I would agree Starbucks is better. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, you can get the tea at Starbucks too. Yeah, which yeah. You, I, don't, I don't know if you can at McDonald's, but all the coffee drinkers are like, oh yeah, Starbucks. Then you have the 10% contrarians who are like, no, McDonald's is better. And everyone's like, what, really? Like, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you, why are you being that way? Yeah. Um, and then I, I share this results from this. I, I think it was like MIT or someone did this study. They, they blind taste tested people on Starbucks and McDonald's. And so everyone raises their hand that they'd prefer Starbucks coffee. But in a blind taste test, it's the inverse. 90% of people actually prefer the McDonald's coffee. And so the question is like, well, why are people paying two bucks more for a worse coffee that tastes worse? And it all comes down to like the experience, right? When you like yeah. walk into a Starbucks, it feels a certain way. It's always consistent. Like their cup, when you hold their cup in your hand, you feel different than if you're holding that McDonald's cup. Yeah. And it's like people want to pay more um, for good experiences. And, you know, if anyone ever watches Second Nature's videos of people like unboxing, it like feels like an unboxing experience watching someone like open the newest gadget on YouTube or something yeah. like it's experiential. Right. And that's what people walk away with. That's why they go give five star reviews to uh, the property managers using you guys. Right. Because it's the, the actual experience is better. And while they're paying more money, like very likely they'd be willing to pay twice as much. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I think it, one thing I would add to that too is like you know, everyone knows you can't be everything to, to anyone or, you know, or everything to everyone, you know, you're end up being nothing. And so, you know, something I think about, uh, you know, just to follow that is like Amazon is such an easy example. Like Amazon is not the cheapest place to get almost anything. Now they're not expensive, right? I mean, they have, they have good prices for sure, but almost any product on there, they'll find the product top selling one. If you go Google it and you're willing to find like, you know, some wholesaler kind of manufacturer direct some, you know, e-com site that you probably feel might steal your credit card. There's something out there selling it for 10, 20% less, you know, but you know, why do people buy an Amazon? It's like 90% you know, of the time you're probably gonna be fine there. But for that 10% where the product shows up damaged or it doesn't show, you know, it doesn't show up at all. You get an email call. It's just not worth it. And so, you know, I think, you know, you nailed it, right? Like, like they've grown so well because they brought convenience and good service, but at an affordable price and, you know, big market, obviously some other folks do convenience and luxury. And so I think, you know, when you look at the space, like, you know, not everything is equal, right? Like there is, you know, there's great companies we know that's like 
they said, hey, we're going to focus on either like a, you know, luxury properties and do really premium service. And so like, maybe we'll do this for their package where you've got folks that are like, you know, hey, we're this market we're in, you know, rents are lower, you know, it's, it's more people looking for functional properties. And so, you know, we want to include these services and do that. So like, you know, really knowing what you stand for, what you're going to do, but at the end of the day, great service, you know, it's got to make sense. Just like, you know, Amazon, great service at an affordable price, you know, some other places you might get even, you know, white glove service at a higher price, you know, there's going to be different markets. And so I think that's important, really knowing what you stand for and kind of focusing there. And, and you know, a lot of times when you hear that, you know, that, um, you know, people think about these things or some of the, you know, what people believe like, hey, this may happen, this may happen, you know, it's a lot of times, you know, they're applying half a strategy to half a strategy here. And it's kind of like, you know, the boat's trying to row two directions and, you know, mm -hmm. not very effective. And so, you know, I, I would say, you, you know, you nailed it there with that, that Starbucks example, you know, service matters, kind of knowing what you stand for is important. And um, no, absolutely. I, I think I that makes sense. I actually, I'll riff off the Amazon example a bit here because Jeff Bezos has a quote that I always use, which is the best way to build a service is to work backwards from the things that will never change about what your customer wants. And so for, you know, us buying things off Amazon, we're always going to want vast selection. We're always going to want the fastest delivery and we're always going to want the best price on that product. And that's sort of what they try and optimize around where they get most values actually in the vast selection and fast delivery. Yep. And that's why we're willing to pay like a monthly subscription just to buy stuff from yeah. them. Right. No one's ever going to say, Oh, I wish that got delivered slower to me. Yeah. And if you think, right. <laughs> but if you think about the resident, like if let's take the overlap of like pricing, it's sort of like a false equivalent in rental markets because the cheaper the home I associate in my head, a less comfortable living experience by default. So what actually I care about is I want to live in the home that's going to be the most comfortable, usually most convenient. I don't want like a four hour commute. I want to easily commute. I want it to be easy to live there when I need something done. I want it to be easy to get that thing done. Like I want it to be easy to talk to my manager when I need them. I want it to be comfortable. I want the, the systems to work. Right. I don't want my HVAC to be going out like every month. I don't want the air quality to suck in the house because like their filters aren't being replaced. Those two are gonna by far be the most important things. And those are never gonna change. No one, no one's ever gonna move into a home and be like, oh, you know, I wish it was like a pain in the butt to put in a maintenance request. I wish I had to be on hold half an hour with like a call yeah. center before I could. Yeah. Like that's never gonna happen. And yeah. you know, your product is obviously driving on that comfort and the convenience too, because you're actually automatically shipping these things. They don't, they don't have to now go to the hardware store to get a filter. You're doing it for them. You know, you're yeah. making it convenient for them to get like, you know, their deposit yeah. back because they're not going to pull out like a filthy filter anymore. Yeah. But I love that. And one thing like, you know, speaking of prime, you know, a lot of great products, obviously, you know, one of the tests is, Hey, if you took this away, are people going to care or just move on with their life? And so, you know, something I would, I would challenge someone, you know, to do is like, you know, sit down with, you know, uh, let's say it's a prospective renter, you know, someone who's been renting for a while, who's gotten used to this great service, you know, of, you know, again, 24 seven maintenance, um, you know, high quality vetted vendors, um, anytime they have a question, someone professional who's done this hundreds of times, being able to help them out. Um, just, you know, even things like, you know, self showings and a lot of the innovation, like convenience mm -hmm. coming to market, it's like, you know, compare that experience and say, you know, well, you know, call it 30 bucks a month, say, Hey, you know, if we lowered your rent 30 bucks a month, but we took all that away, 
you know, and, and compare that to experience, you know, what do you think people would actually say? And, and I think you'll find, you know, more often than not people that, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, you know, and, and I think, you know, as I think about the future of kind of like property management, you know, there, there's a, you know, I know one of the discussions we had on a recent, um, you know, conference event we, we held um, uh, virtually was, you know, it, it's really like, you know, how do you, you know, make, you know, if, if convenience is a driver, how do you get to a point where someone could literally, you know, view a property online, if they like it, they go through, sign a lease, they get their keys, they move in, you know, effectively contactless, don't touch anyone, you know, do it an hour a night online. Like, like if that's the behavior, you know, we're headed to, you know, in, in like, you know, what other thing that goes around making that experience better. And so, you know, I, I definitely think there's some exciting innovation coming down the pipeline, but you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think you make you know great points though around, um, you know, what what are these services? You know, when you think about Prime, for example, um, you know, I know if someone tried to cancel Prime today or like got rid of Amazon, you know, it, it would add frustration to me. You know, it, it, there's yeah. things all the time where it's like, all right, if I need something, you know, I don't go there for good brands or good, you know, there's a lot of things I don't go to Amazon for, but if it's something just functional, boom, 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 get it sent to me. You know, it, it's super easy, and you know, I'd feel pain for that. And so that that's you know, I'd make the same argument as I know I'd never trade all those things, you know, even save a hundred bucks a month. If, if I went back to moving into a house, that's not clean. You know, there's, there's issues with the home and all I get is a cell phone that gets a five day reply time. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, no, anyways, uh, great topics for sure. Um, and, and a lot of interesting things to think about there. So. Uh, maybe we can like uh, take a few steps back because I actually have this early in my notes to ask and we're now like halfway through and I haven't yeah, yeah. even mentioned, asked this yet. Um, so I, I think second nature and everything you're doing around your product and the, the benefit packages you're helping the property managers build is you, I think probably because of the, the force you guys have put behind it, it is now becoming a significant trend in the space. And in large part, I think that's because of the work you guys are doing. And so I'm curious, like maybe you can take us back to the beginnings of that. And let's let's bring it all the way back to actually how you even started the company. Because yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear that story and then we can like work up into when this this benefit package became such like a, a dominant piece of the management space. Yeah, absolutely. So um so rewind, I think it, it's uh 2012 is actually when we started the business. So uh crazy to think it's almost been a decade, but uh, my co-founder and I were actually, we were attending NC State University. <clears throat> we met um, at school. We were actually running the Collegiate Entrepreneurship Organization together. And as part of that, you know, they bring in investors, or I guess we run a club. This is kind of our job. Like we'd bring in investors, entrepreneurs, you know, people, um, you know, uh, that, that work at these kind of uh, startup companies. And they would just talk to the students kind of uh, share their learnings and, and it really piqued our interest. And, and, you know, we're kind of, you know, obviously in school, like your know, general path is get your degree, get a job, kind of learn and, and grow. And so, you know, we started to hear these different stories and it really piqued our interest. And, uh, you know, prior to that, I had started, uh, some Cutco actually at 18. And what was, you know, fun about that is, I don't know, something clicked one day. I'm just out there and, you know, I'd go in a house, I'd do my presentation and, um, you know, someone buys something and, and I'm just like, you know, like, I don't know. I guess all the jobs I worked in high school is at a lifeguard, you know, restaurant here and there. Like, I guess this hadn't clicked, but you yeah. know, um, what what happened was like, you know, like okay, I want to get this at uh, twelve hundred bucks. They give me the credit card, and you know, let's say your commission that's like, you know, two hundred bucks. I'm just like, wait, if I hadn't done anything, this person wouldn't have this, 
you know, something like all I did, like I created economic value. Like I went in, I met them, I gave them something valuable they wanted, they paid for it, and I got a cut. And yeah, I ended up you know doing that for years and running an office and learned a lot of great things doing that. But like just this thing I haven't like clicked my brain, like, like, yeah, you can just like sell something to people and like you know, that's a business, like it's not that confusing. And so, you know, when we were going through this, you know, all sorts of ideas, we were working on things and you know, one day my co-founder uh basically was talking about air filters and you know we started going into like this whole subscription model this that and the other and i think it was like a week later um my mother calls me and she's she's like hey how are you doing i'm like yeah doing great blah 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 how are you and she goes well i just had to pay 10 grand to replace my hvac and i'm thinking i knew like when i was younger it got replaced you know that the house that she lived in i think we had moved in was a couple years old and so like you know i think it was a new construction so it was like her third hvac and at the time i'm like 20 so i'm like yeah, wow, okay. last longer. I'm like, what happened? She goes, she's the guy said I hadn't changed the filter in a few years. And I was like, you'll never believe this. We were just talking about filters like a whole week, like for a week, you know, we had like this concept. And so it's like that, plus a couple other things. We started talking to like everybody we knew, professors, and like we just kept hearing the same thing. It's like, I never remember to do it. And, you know, if you can get me a good quality, good price, and it's convenient, you know, just shows up, why would I not do it? And so that kind of gives confidence to say, hey, you know, there's something here. Um, we actually ended up, you know, we, we put about 8,000 of our own money into, um, you know, doing this, got to the point where we were working like 23 hours a day, like sleeping on a couch in this like innovation center in C State. Uh, you know, we actually stopped going to school for like two weeks and we're like, ah, maybe we should go to class. We were trying to figure that out. And then ended up getting into an accelerator, um, which we didn't even know what those were. We were volunteering at an event and met this guy and he's like, yeah, we give you some money, some office space, some mentorship. We're like, that's insane. Great. <laughs> Sign me up. So we ended up going down on this thing. We we uh and we ended up actually dropping out of school um you know in, in March of 2013 to just work on this full time. Went down, launched the business, and um ended up moving. We're back in Raleigh now, but um moved back to Raleigh, you know, where we're from just to scale it up, good market to hire and grow the business. Not sure what that means anymore. We'll see where everything goes with virtual, but I uh, came back to Raleigh and uh long story short, launched the business. Uh, originally, you know, we um the core focus, we just launched direct consumers online, you know, the whole idea of sign up, you know, um, get your filters on a regular basis. And then naturally, you know, fast forward to 2020, you know, the business evolved and, you know, we obviously, as you know, uh, predominant um, uh, space plan, you know, uh, property management, you know, everything from single family, multifamily to commercial. Um, you know, I'm just also- curious, when you, when you went into uh, property management from direct to consumer, at this point, were you still just out of the accelerator or as you scale the business, were you actually bringing in more money to make sure you could keep growing? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So it was actually, uh, you know, about a little over five years ago, um, you know, it, and I guess a little bit of a blurred timeline because, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, even back in 20 Challenge, it's like, well, all right, we have a concept. How are we going to sell it? We're like, well, you know, HVAC companies will probably want to partner with this, you know, utility companies and all sorts of things we've done now. You know, we're, we're in a lot of verticals, but, you know, speak specifically about the one, you know, we're, we're here to talk about today. You know, it's kind of like, you know, well, we know there's a lot of houses. We know they need to be changed. You know, something I guess, I, you know, we probably didn't do when I was like, tenants are much worse, you know, changing filters than yeah. you know, It's actually, a, you know, uh, you know, bigger variance in, in a little bit of a different problem to solve here. Uh, but ultimately, we actually, it was something where, you know, the, the consumer business is growing really fast. Uh, people absolutely love the product. You know, we're seeing really good, you know, metrics. Now. Like people are retaining well, great reviews. And, you know, we actually just had 
um, folks come to is our own property manager said, Hey, I saw your business. Like absolutely love it. You know, I've signed up for my own home. Could we work out like a, you know, can we get a bulk pricing? Can we do this? And we said, absolutely. You know, <laughs> of course, yeah, awesome. the more and more we got into it, you know, yeah. that's when we started to realize like, wow, like, we can make a huge impact here. Right. You know, it, it, this isn't just saying, you know, we're not just swapping out vendor A for vendor B, vendor A being like them doing it themselves and us replacing like, no, like yeah. it's actually not getting done. So we're actually like, you know, we're, we're solving a problem right now in terms of actually just getting them changed out, you know, similar to the, cons the consumer that, you know, may only change it once or twice a year. We're taking that up to, you know, four to 12 times been in their market, uh, but it was actually a bigger gap. And so that's how we got into mm -hmm. it was actually PM was calling us. And then, um, you know, I'd say from there, obviously, you know, um, as it's grown and stuff, we've got more involved. So when, at what point do you think this kind of shift happened or maybe it was immediately where, uh, you started helping managers create yep. their benefit packages. Was that more recent? Yes. Yeah, so, so really that dates back a, a couple of years. I wouldn't say it was immediate. Right. So when, when I think back to when, you know, we started, you know, in, in the uh, space, you know, it was very much, Hey, you know, we've got this offering. And at the time, you know, we had some partnership with the utility companies, you know, um, for a variety of different industries where we were either kind of, um, you know, people were offering our service or we were kind of doing more, um, you know, like we would do in the property space, working directly with someone to kind of insert into their operation. And so, you know, we worked through a very, you know, various ways to implement it and started to come to realize, you know, one thing, which is, you know, I, I think I said this earlier, property managers, they're just so busy. They have a lot going on. And so something, you know, that we realized like, well, hey, where can we have the most value? And so a lot of folks, we, we go to them to implement and, and they say, yeah, I absolutely love it. I want to do it, you know, busy, you know, I'll get to a next quarter, this quarter and said, hey, what, we, what can we do to, to, to ramp that up. So that was part of it. And then the other one was just this realization that like, wow, you guys had, you, like, you're so much better than running something off Craigslist. And I just use that as an example, but like you had a lot of value here. How do we market it? How do we bring it to the forefront? Cause it benefits the industry. You know, it, it, you know, it, as a, as a potential renter, like, you know, the subconscious thing that that's out there is like, if I go talk to you and you're like, Hey, here's your keys, here's your lease. All right, cool. But if you're like, hey, by the way, here's all the value you get. Here's the thing. Like, I'm like, well, if you're thinking about this now, when I have something wrong in six months, how are you going to behave then? You know, and I think it's this common thing, like any partnership, any new friendship, whatever it may be. It's like, you know, those early signs, like, well, if you treat me like this when we're just meeting, how are you going to treat me when something goes wrong? Right. And so I think it kind of plays that same effect. And so we said, you know, hey, we, we really have an opportunity here to partner with folks and say, hey, let's let's better market this. Let's do it. And by the way, some of that back end kind of work, like, we'll just do it for you, right? Like, we'll we'll really you know get an expertise here so you don't have to reinvent the wheel right and and so that's really kind of how it developed to where you know I, you know two three years ago um is where it became more of a focus and you know as you see now that's really kind of something you know that um you know we're, we're pushing and and you know kind of a focus for us is you know because we think it's gonna have such a big impact you know 10 years from now um you know we believe that it will be the standard and and really what people will look for, you know, that that's what they'll want in the market. And part of that whole, you know, why do you rent from a professional? You know, this is one of the core factors. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, I think when I think about like third party, especially third party property managers or fee managers, I think one of the biggest problems that often goes like unaddressed for them is the opportunities for creating more margin because it's so hard to run a very profitable business when the only avenue is that management fee. There's just so much cost that goes into, you know, running the home. 
Um, and I think for a lot of uh, fee managers, you know, they're looking at these resident benefit programs as the avenue to actually enhance the profitability of the company so that yep. they can start investing back into like growth. And I'm just kind of curious from your perspective, because this conversation comes up a lot. Um, a lot of folks kind of look at it as, okay, do I focus on growing my door count? right? Do I acquire more customers, grow my door count to be a better business? Or do I look at how do I generate more revenue per unit to, to be a better business? Um, so I'm curious, especially like as a funded company um, that thinks a lot about scaling, how do you think about those two things for property managers? Is there any like advice or, or anything like that you'd give them around thinking about these two things? Yeah. So, you know, if, if I were in the shoe, you know, their shoes, I think the, the first thing, um, you know, I really want to nail down is like, well, you know, what do I want to be, you know, in the future? You know, am I like, why am I doing this? It, do I want to build a lot, you know, a, a large business, you know, in, if I do why, you know, uh, um, at the end of the day, you know, and as you know, like building a company is tough. Like, you know, if you're in it just because, you know, you're chasing money, this, that, and the other, you know, that's not going to give you the energy to go day in and day out. So like, if you truly are passionate about, working with teams, building, growing, innovating, that's what you want to do, you know, you know, that could be a great path. And the flip side of it, I actually want a really good lifestyle business. You know, I only want a few employees, you know, I don't want that many uh, potential problems, like answering that question first. And then I think that'll be a good guide, you know? And so, you know, and we have a ton of uh, partners we work with that, you know, they may have, you know, 100, 200 units and they're making more profit as a company and, you know, arguably maybe a better lifestyle than people with six or 700 units. Now, you know, that person with 607, not saying they may not, you know, lap them at some point and once they start to focus down and scale. But, you know, um, you know, I, I think it's definitely starting with, you know, what's that why? Um, you know, and having those, you know, those kind of really tough critical uh, thought internally. And, and kind of once you land there, um, I think it really uh, makes it a lot easier to follow that blueprint. And one thing I'd say, network, talk to people. You know, the amount of folks that I, uh, you know, I know personal, really good friends that I've met through the industry that you know, say like, you know, get in mastermind groups, F find other people that are like-minded and work together. You know, it's a, uh, what I love about this energy is collaborative. You know, there's, you know, obviously there's tens of thousands of companies in the space. And so like, you know, find people that have common goals and, you know, learn from each other, you know, help each other out. Um, and I, you know, I think like, you know, if I were to say one thing, I think that's one of the biggest things because, you know, like, like a lot of things, like, like so, most of these problems have been solved, right? Um, you know, there's a best practice. And, and so that's kind of what I would say be first. So if we had seven hours, I, you know, maybe some others, but I'll say. I'm curious, like when you started uh, Second Nature, which formerly was uh, Filter Easy, um, did you know you wanted to be a big scaled company, you know, venture back, big valuations, versus uh you know lifestyle business or did you sort of find your way into that yeah. path so you know I, I would say this isn't entirely true because again you know doing that club you know i, I knew it somebody's like i didn't know what internet was like when, when we looking back i laugh at it but like you know i, I you know, this event talking about the accelerator uh to kind of paint a picture here I think I was doing name tags and my co-founder was hanging coats or something like that like where it was some venture conference we're volunteering personal lobbies, like, you know, like, Hey, I got to NC state, you know, all hype, you know, like, you know, I was like, what is like, you know, uh, nice to meet you guys. What do you guys do? And we're like, yeah, like we actually have a business we're working on. And, you know, like, and we already put some money on, like, we were pretty serious about it, but our head, like, we were like, yeah, like we're going to go get some products. We're going to go sell them to people, make money. And like, 
you know, I don't know. I think at the time in college, if I, we could have got to making like $25,000 a year, we would have called that success. Like, you know, what I mean? like, you know, it, it was you know, probably not that low, but you know what I mean? Like, like it was just like, yeah, we're just going to go do this. Right. I wouldn't say we thought that hard. Yeah. Uh, Paying your rent and tuition was, was enough. Yeah. <laughs> in the like, yeah. You know, the knives make pretty good money. If I can do that better and kind of, you know, there's opportunity for growth. That's exciting. And so, um, and then, um, you know, this person's like, yeah, like, you know, this whole, they walk this whole investment thing. I'm just like, that's insane. Like, why would you do that? Like, that sounds like, you know, now looking back, I'm like, obviously that's a great business model. You know, sellers have done very well. Um, and so like, you know, um, once you learn something, it becomes obvious. And so I just at the time didn't know really anything at all, you know? And so, uh, um, you know, my personality, my co-founder is naturally, it's very much like, you know, you know, very kind of hard charging. I was trying to, you know, what, what can we do more pushing ourselves? Uh, but one thing I do know is like, you know, we, we for sure build out models and had goals and things like that. And, you know, one thing I was like, by the t- you know, but sometimes when there's that goal out there, it's like, there's some unknowns in there. And like, at the critical milestones are things like, hey, once we figure this out, and once you figure this out, like these things you have to do to get there. And what I've kind of often found is like, you know, in your head, you're like, once I reach that goal, I'll be so happy or fulfilled or whatever. And like, you know, but usually before you actually reach the goal, you either know you will or won't long before, you know, it's like, well, I hit this milestone. So it's like, all right, well now I'm gonna hit it. It's just time or this. And like, but by the time you get there, it's like the goalpost moves. It's almost like a, a dog chasing its tail. Right. And so like, you know, if you had asked us like, Hey, you know, th- you know, told us, Hey, you're going to be this big and you know, whatever, eight years, I would have said, ah, that sounds, I don't, you know, not that I don't believe you. I'm like, that sounds incredible. But, you know, now you get here and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I feel small, you know, like, like, Hey, we're just getting started, you know? And so my guess is, I think, you know, you have to look at companies like, you know, Amazon probably. And it's like, you know, why did Jeff Bezos wake up every morning and keep doing what he's doing? You know, it's obviously not for, you know, as much resources they want to have. It's like, you know, it's, they're just passionate to them. It's, it's, it's fun, you know? And, and so I think, you know, that's my guess is, you know, that goal post keeps moving. Um, you know, you never catch it. And so, you know, I really think taking that time finally like, chasing the goalpost is fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, that, that was kind of our experience. Just, you know, kind of figured out as we go. And so, um, but you know, definitely a lot more clarity now with the experience we have and kind of mentors and folks we've worked with. Um, you know, I, I think we started and, and sometimes that's helpful. You know, I, I saw something the other day, like if you look at some of these major innovations and categories, the people that did them, they didn't, they weren't the industry experts. They didn't come for it. Cause sometimes you get so conditioned to thinking like with constraints, you know, and like, well, we did this one project seven years ago, we tested that. And like, you, you look at why it don't won't work or like, you know, where sometimes these, you know, these major, you know, um, you know, um, improvements are things where people will like try and anyone in the industry laughs at that. That will never work. People don't care. And for will they, they crack the code. So. Yeah. So th- it's interesting that like I actually want to dig into this more because I think the interesting part is we all get in that mentality and there's a risk for you. There's a risk for me that as uh, you know, second nature becomes like the standard, the thing people do as natural becomes the thing people do. You get into this mindset that's, that's like, Hey, this is what people do. And you stop thinking about innovating and Amazon's done an amazing job at never, uh, never falling into that. Like Jeff Bezos talks about this day one mentality. It's like every day's day one, you you come in, like, it's like you're starting fresh. Um, And so, you know, obviously we need to keep that mentality for our businesses. And there are a lot of property managers that I talk to and the early trendsetters on the benefit packages, I think have that day one mentality. What is the next thing that's going to drive this industry forward? A lot of folks though, and you know, 
we we shouldn't be excluded from this because I'm sure it happens. I know it happens for me in smaller components of the business where I'm like, why didn't why didn't we think of that like freaking six months ago? Like, how yeah. are we so blind? And I notice for property managers, like uh, same as for me, just like me, they we can get into this mindset where we're so fixated on how things are currently done that we've put a box around like how we can think about improving. And I'm wondering if you have like, because you're kind of leading this edge now on benefit packages, I'm sure you guys run into this all the time where it's like really a benefit package. Like I'm going to charge tenants for this. Like that really, is that a thing? How do you, what would you say to someone listening that feels like they're a little bit stuck in the confines of kind of tradition to yeah. sort of break through that and kind of expand the mindset and say, well, how, how can I think differently about improving my business? Yeah. So one thing I'll start, I'll, I'm going to use 2020. So, you know, I don't have to tell everyone all the negatives of the year, you know, those are clear and, you know, it's, it's definitely been, you know, you know, you can find a lot of reasons, um, you know, that, that to, to be upset or complain and, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, obviously that's life, but, um, you know, if you think about one thing that's coming out of this is, you know, the advancement in technology, you know, we just pulled forward. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've read things 10, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever. Like, you know, we just forced innovation on a lot of people. And across the board, people are like, it's not that bad. You know, like this actually works great. And so, you know, things like, you know, um, corporate travel, it's like, you know, how many people just like, oh, you got to meet in person. You can't do this. Right. And like, and there, you know, sometimes a chicken egg problem. It's like, well, because nobody wants to try this, you're not innovating, you're not making better. But it's like, all the, everyone went to Zoom, you know, or, or virtual meetings. Like all the businesses and innovation around making virtual meetings better now. You know, there's times where like we've had internal meetings. Where I'm like, I would never want to have this in person again. Just because like simple things like swapping out screen shares, like the focus, the note. Like there's things that are just like it actually works better. Like even if we're sitting in the same building, I'd rather dial in, right? It's so, like you know, an example I'll give that that will hit home um, to this space is like self showings. You know, now obviously you know there's people that, that didn't think this way, but a lot of people out here like. Oh, I'll never do self-showings. And, and, and when you think about innovation and really moving forward, you kind of think like, all right, if it works, what's the big win? And, and you know, like, I think put that carrot way out there. And then it's like, all right, I know I could come up with a million reasons things aren't going to work, you know, but what, why would it work? And if I want that, if I want that prize at the end of the tunnel, how do I keep driving to get there? And so I think about self-showings is an easy one. It's like the amount of people I could, you know, you could go on Facebook and go wherever industry events, like, there's people out there saying it'll never work this and that. They're like, yeah, what, you know, what if someone breaks the house and does this, but it's like, sure. And that will happen. But in aggregate, you know, a lot of people got forced into self showings. And like they're like people that were just like foot down, I'll never do it. Just tried it. And like, okay, I was wrong. You know, it works. And so like, you know, I think about in every aspect It's like, how do you train yourself to start thinking like, it's so easy to point out what won't work, what will work and why. And look, there's going to be challenges, but I know something people love is like, you know, I, I think, um, you know, when you look at like, uh, you know, self-driving cars and stuff like that, it's like, you know, at some point, you know, I don't know, 2100 year 3000, whatever. It's like, you know, I think everyone at this point believes like, yeah, we'll get there. But, you know, there's still people out there saying like, you know, um, you know, wow, well, hey, the, you know, you can hack it. And like, that's great. But, you know, if you look at today, like, and I'm, I'm not an expert in these numbers, but, you know, the death toll, like, you know, you, you're going to have someone, there's going to be a new story. It got hacked. They have no control. Died. 
absolutely. And that sucks. And maybe it's going to be me, hopefully not. But like on aggregate, if you look at the data, it's going to be far safer. And so it's like the same thing with this. It's like, just because one in 10,000 people break into your home and wreck it and squat, you know, on aggregate, it's going to be much better. And so I think people always try and find like, what's that exception of the rule? It's not the norm. It's not what's going to happen. And they just kind of put their foot down and, 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 and don't want to innovate and don't think. And, and like, you know, the, the sad thing about that is, you know, for those people, it's like, you know, a lot of people I know, they just, like, they're great people. I want to see them succeed. And it's like, but when you start thinking like that, that's when you get lapped and, you know, other people start to innovate in front of you. Um, and so, you know, you know, that's what I would challenge people is like, you know, you know, how can you versus how can't you, I think is a, is a, is a good mindset. Um, yeah, I think a lot of that can come from fear too. And I'll, I'll put it in the words of uh, Dune because I just saw the new trailer for Dune, but fear is the mind killer. <laughs> and a lot of times fear is going to stop people from doing, doing the right thing just because yeah. there's a little bit of unknown. Um, but I think, you know, there's like you're saying, there's ways that like you, you look at it, you analyze it, like a lot of the fear we sometimes feel it, it really is irrational uh, when COVID hit at Latchell, we started doing telemaintenance. So we used to do troubleshooting over a phone call and what we built yeah. was a way to just do it via video. And a lot, of, there's no like necessarily fear here, but a lot of folks, property managers were saying, well, I don't think anyone's going to jump on video with you. No one's going to want to do that. And like re the reality is the opposite's true. Most people would prefer to get on video so they can actually show you, here's what I'm looking at. And as long as you have a way where they don't have to like download something, as long as they can get them through their mobile browser, you're good. Um, That's a feature. I, like, I, I yeah. like, right now, like, if I was renting and something went wrong, do I want to put in a maintenance request, wait two days, have someone come out and like flip, flip a yeah. no, <laughs> like, Reset like, a GFI. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Do this, like, define like what, you know, virtual maintenance is. But like, people have already been troubleshooting. It's like, take it a step further, video. Like, you know, get, get the tech on the phone. It's like, you know, I mean, obviously there's gonna be something where like, you know, if I'm gonna start pulling things out and doing stuff complicated, yeah, you know, I don't want to do that, but it's like, you know, as I, it's more convenient for me to spend 10 minutes on the phone and do the work than spend 40 minutes watching you walk around the house and taking time off work and screwing around and not having something work for two days. Like, you know, I think, and it's one of those things like, you know, again, it's like, try it, just try it. Like, Hey, you may be right. If you're right, great. What did it hurt to try it? And I think that's what we're finding again is like, you know, yeah, I, I most think, of these things they're two-way doors if yeah. you go into the door and you made the bad choice you okay you just walk back yeah. out right no I, I i really do think like virtual maintenance one of those things like i think in 10 years it's gonna be like you know we it may have been 30 40 years before that became the complex i think 10 years out you know that would be a huge component um of better convenience lowering costs like you think about what are things that win for all stakeholders that's one right and so yeah. um you know and this is that kind of event that like forced you know it, not not everybody did a lot of people just said, well, no maintenance, but you know, there were some people on the fence who said, all right, I'll give it a try now. And I yeah. think, you know, yeah, there's challenges with it. There's ways to improve, but you know, I, I know you guys are finding good results with it. So, um, no, I, I love it. So, so, uh, we're coming up on time here, but we, and we've covered so much. So like, you know, with looking back at everything we've talked about, you might say, well, I can't even think of anything, but I want to give you the chance. Is there anything that you would like want to leave folks listening with anything we didn't talk about that you think is important or just advice for folks as they kind of move forward in this new normal. Hmm. You know, we covered a lot of good stuff. So rather than confuse or clog even more with too much, you know, I, I love that, that focus of like, you know, we were talking about, 
innovation in doing things new, like be open, try, you know, how can you versus how can't you, um, you know, and while it's a little scary, you know, I'll leave it with this. I remember someone once told me, they're like, I think it might even be one of these like famous motivational speakers, Ted, I can't remember. They said like, you know, whenever something makes you nervous, just immediately commit to it. You know, someone says, Hey, do you want to like speak at a conference or, you know, do this thing, this and that, you know, rather than stress about it, this, that, and the other, just, just say yes, put on your calendar. The day will come no matter how ready you are, you'll get up there and do it. And afterwards you'll feel a heck of a lot better. You'll be better at it. And no one's going to be a, you know, everyone in the audience, let's say would speak. I think that was the example they gave that a lot of people are afraid of. No one's going to remember if it went bad, you know, but you'll get better. It's like, just try it. Just give it a try. How can you? Uh, positivity, and most importantly, have fun. So that's my, <laughs> 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 right on. love it. Um, well, cool. Thanks so much for being here, Thad. And yeah. like, I, I want to give people a chance to learn more about you or learn more about second nature. Where should, where should folks go? Yeah. So, I mean, if you wanted to reach out to me directly, you can find me on LinkedIn, you know, Thad at second nature is my email. If you wanted to check us out, you can actually go to residentbenefitpackage.com. Um, and reaches through there. And I think that's, that's all I've got. Thank you. Beautiful. So, so that's just resident benefit package. Dot com. Correct. Dot com. All right, cool. Um, well, Thad, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for giving out your personal email. You might need to uh, hire some extra executive assistants now to scrub those. Um, but as, as Thad graciously offered, just that at secondnature.com. Send them all your questions. Let's, let's inundate his uh, inbox. <laughs> um, Super appreciate it, Thad. Thanks for, for being here. And for everyone joining, thanks for tuning in. If you're interested in more topics on property management growth, you can also head to propertybrew.co. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter. It's totally free. We focus on industry innovations, growth tactics. We actually did a, a little spot before um, the PM Leadership Exchange Conference too about that. Um, but yeah, head over to propertybrew.co. Uh, keep updated on all the new, new innovations. And to stay updated on the Latchel podcast, you can follow our Crowdcast channel at crowdcast.io slash Latchel or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Latchel. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And make sure to check back in two weeks. We have a session with Mark Cunningham where we're going to be diving into some of the details on his profitability course, uh, which has been updated for 2020. So really interesting to see uh, what he has to say. He goes through about 25 different income streams that property managers can utilize. That thanks again so much and goodbye everyone. Have a great week. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date. Hit that subscribe button. Give us some love. Maybe give us a five-star review too if you like what you're hearing. And I have an ask for you. I'd like you to go to latchel.com and click the book a demo button to schedule time to talk with us. We want to hear about your business, how you've been, how you're growing, how maintenance is going at your company. Maybe we can work together, maybe not, but you won't know unless you talk to us. So go to latchel.com, click the book a demo button. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I know the rest of our team here is. So go do that as soon as you can. Thanks everyone. See you back next week.